So I got Matt Henderson on the phone right now, ladies and gentlemen. Um, how you doing, Matt? Welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm good. I'm good. Good to be here. So I'm try- I want to I take you back to when I met you, but obviously before that, um, when did you come to New York City? Because you came from Pittsburgh, correct? I came from St. Paul, Minnesota, technically. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, I mean, the first time I came to New York was 1988 in the summer. Uh-huh. Uh, the band uh, that I was in at the time from St. Paul was called Blind Approach. Yes. And uh, we had set up, uh, I mean, I'll give credit to my singer, Chip. He had set up uh, a summer tour for us that uh, ended was playing a show at uh, CV's with Misery. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And uh, so us, um, there was five of us in the band at the time, and, you know, we had never, you know, we, we, we owned a van, and we, we decked it all out so we could sleep in it and uh, made our way out to New York after about two weeks worth of, two, two weeks worth of traveling, but probably <laughs> played a total of four shows within those two weeks, if even. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, New York City, man, Lower East Side, we were hanging out. We were all skinned, skinned down back Yeah, how, how old were you then? Had a lot of, I was 18. Okay. And we had a lot of, we had a lot of people uh, from our area, St. Paul and Minneapolis, that came out with us as one big road trip. It was, it was nuts. Uh, but I met Roger that day at the show, you know, because Nausea played. Oh, wow. Um and uh you know he actually watched the band you know i was i was uh i was really impressed with him the way he uh just was very sincere so he watched our entire set and he came up to us afterwards just to chat because we had you know we had every new york band that ever came through the twin cities we'd always play we'd open up for uh yeah you know like I mean, the Cro-Mags, you know, back in 87, we used to, we played a lot of shows with back in those days. Warzone, you know, we were on the, we, we did a lot of shows with them and the Don't Forget the Struggle. Yeah, the album cycle. Uh, yeah. Tour. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I mean, you name a New York band that, that toured in those days and we played with them and got to be, you know, kind of friends with them because we'd, we'd play with them kind of regularly. Yeah. So uh, as they'd come through the Midwest. Yeah. And so, so when, Go ahead. Go ahead. I was, I was, I was going to say, in that town where you grew up, like, how did you get into that type of music? Like, what was your gateway to that? Like, did you, did you have brothers that got you into it? Did you find out about through people at school? Like, how did you find hardcore and punk rock in that, in that town? Yeah, you know, I mean, I was always really into music. Um, my, my father, um, you know, when, when I was really young, classic rock was, you know, kind of his main thing. And, you know, he, he always had a nice stereo and good big speakers and a nice turntable and like a, a nice tube power amp. And I mean, you know, we're talking 1974, yeah. 75, right? Yeah. Um, you know, like Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon would play real nice and loud and clear in my living room, you know? And That's amazing. It sound crazy. It sound crazy. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I, I was just like, wow, it's, you know, I'm, so I just started to get into music and, you know, with his love of uh, classic rock, which at the time was still kind of, you know, uh, edgy. edgy, right? Yeah, I mean, to- yeah, yeah, like yeah. Zeppelin and, you know, like, like you know, the old Zeppelin stuff. And he never got too heavy, but Zeppelin, Deep Purple, um, 
you know, things like that. And uh, then I I started getting into the Beatles and then Kiss. So in 77, my old man took me to see Kiss. Wow. Uh, and sick. and for any, too. It, well, I mean, for anyone that's a Kiss fan, I mean, that was the, that was the year to see that band. They were yeah. at their peak and I mean, stage show was out of control and, you know, but uh, I kind of, I kind of feel like that was an, an initial idea what being into punk rock was because a lot of people hated Kiss. Mm-hmm. People used to, ah, you know, Kiss, those dudes, those dudes, you know, they're freaks, they're fags, you know, I heard they yeah. do this, they, you know, all yeah. these crazy rumors and stories. It's like, I, I don't think so, but, um, you know, they rock. <laughs> you ever listen to them, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was a little bit on the outs from that point you know um and then um you know i mean the twin cities was a real legitimate you know metropolitan area yeah, it wasn't sure. like it, it wasn't like all rural and farm and, and yo we had who's could do oh that's right you know who's could do from st paul that's right uh so my first real hardcore show i was like i was 14 uh we played no we didn't uh i saw who's could do at seventh street entry which was the small yeah I mean, I sub play, yeah, I remember first I mean, yeah yeah for sure prince's club yep and then uh you know um uh just you know so there there was a thriving punk rock scene the replacements mm-hmm. who's could do uh and you know any any decent sized band would come through and, and sure. you know we had chicago near us we had uh so, you know, really, the guy who really first, like, dressed like a punk rocker that I knew as a kid was my friend Chip, okay. who was the singer for Blind Approach. Like, yeah. he was just kind of a regular dude, um, wasn't even really, like, one of the cool kids, if you will, at the school yeah. we were at together. And, and we, we knew each other a little bit, uh, but we, weren't, we didn't really hang out. And one day, he just rolled up in class with, like... Uh, like a, like a spiky flat top haircut, <laughs> wrap around sunglasses, uh, wow. you know, camo, you know, uh, camouflage pants, you know? Yeah. And uh, it was like, yo, that is a punk rocker. <laughs> and uh, everyone, everybody laughed at him when he walked into the classroom because it was just like, he was a scene. Yeah. But I was like, damn, he did it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he, yeah. that took a lot of balls. And, and so now it's like, okay, now like there's a guy I know and I knew who the Sex Pistols were and I'd heard, you know, some of their stuff. And I thought it was cool, but, you know, being a punk rocker wasn't exactly what I was prepared to to jump into yet. But yeah. I saw him do it. I'm like, I'm down. And that's, <laughs> that's it, awesome. man. I mean, we were, you know, we were punk rock together. And, and be, I, I will say, even though there was a scene in, in the Midwest in those days, People used to want to. Grown men driving trucks would pull over just because they saw our haircuts and they want to like murder us. So it's crazy, crazy, man. I was, I was a skinny little kid, you know. My yeah. thing is like, and, and that was part of the fun, obviously, though, right? I mean, you shocking know, people, bug yeah. your hair out. You're gonna, you know, you like you want a reaction, yeah. as a kid, hundred um, percent. So yeah, you know. And then how did you find out about the New York scene? Just just through records and stuff and fanzines or. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I mean, I used to, I used to have my, I used to um, buy Maximum Rock and yeah, Roll me too. when it was still current. Yeah. Um, 
And, uh, you know, they'd, they'd have the scene report from all yeah. the different you know cities. And totally. I remember reading about New York and reading about Agnostic Front and the Crawl Mags. But mm-hmm. that was before it was like before, like New York hardcore, like as a thing was really like what it what it became, yeah. what it is today. You know, yeah. I mean, it was still a strong scene, but it was I mean, I'm just being honest at that time. It was just one of many that that, mm-hmm. you know, we knew about. Yeah. Um, and it really wasn't, an, and and so like victim and pain was always heavy on the rotation for us. Yeah. Uh, but again, it was it was another record in the pile with negative approach and the misfits mm-hmm. and you know uh, dead Kennedys and Black Flag. Yeah. And, you know Shout all the staples. yeah. Yeah, exactly. All the fundamentals, you know. Um, and I mean, we loved it. Victim and pain was on the you know definitely on the in the top in rotation. The top top, yeah. Uh, and then uh, you know. Um, Eventually, uh, so like Donahue, do you know that Donahue? Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, Phil, Phil, you, Phil you remember when, yeah. When they did the when they had uh, all those fools on there, yep. Jimmy and Roger. And, and, yeah, uh, I, I think Roger. I know Vinny was Vinny talked Vinny and talked, Harley yeah. and yeah, man. You know, it was. Uh, I mean, they had everybody there. Anthony coming out, yeah. Alexa. So, right? so you watch? So, you watching food? You saw it in Phil Donahue? Like, holy shit. Well, I had it on VHS. Like I, I somehow knew it was broadcasted, so I tape, I videotaped it back wow. in those days, right? Yeah. And so me and our friends would watch it, and you know we just bug out. And then GBH comes to town, and I was a huge GBH fan. I, I mean, love I, GBH my hair too, was, man. My hair was, you know, all you know spiked out. I was yeah. you know, bleached and everything. I mean, that was that <laughs> they awesome. were my shit. And then, uh, but on the flyer. I see the Cro-Mags. Oh, I'm shit. like, oh shit, that's you know, those are those that's you know that that crazy bass player from uh, the Donahue show. Oh shit! Right? And uh, so I walk in, to, and they had already started back in those days of First Avenue. Like a lot of times, the, the the opening band would actually be starting before everyone gets in the door, and wow. uh, that was it, man. That was it. I was like, once I you mean, saw them, you're you know, like, holy shit. I mean that that was a life changer for me, man. That was uh, and That's and not only were they like a badass band on stage, but after the show they just hung out with everybody. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, you know, and they were a scene off the stage, man. I mean, it was just that yeah. raw, Energy. crazy New York vibe. Totally. That you're like, yo, these dudes. And then you know, we actually wound up hanging out with Doug Holland later that day and then I, we start talking just chit chat and i realized this dude's a Hare krishna oh, and, and like all these different all these different layers of like <laughs> you know bugged outness start to unfold and like let me get this straight these dudes you know because punk rock were like anti-religion kind of everything right? yeah you know? man I, fuck everything yeah this dude this, this dude talking spirituality and god and i'm like yeah Really, you know, and and yeah. they look badass. They sounded badass. They're vegetarian. They're they're <laughs> yeah, they got this spiritual yeah. thing going on. And I'm like, this is it, man. New York's onto something here. That's amazing. And uh, then it's you know, then more bands just started coming out, you know, and and uh, I mean they were already out, but they, you know, the sick of it all seven inch was yeah. you know, the, uh, what label was that? Jesus, was that uh, Revelation seven? Revelation, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, all those revelations, you know, Underdog. We loved when that Underdog 7-inch came out. I love out. Underdog so much, man. It's a great band. Um, 
you know, so, you know, Warzone, yeah. sick of it all. I mean, everybody knows the roster. Once that really started Hitting. kicking in, it yeah. was, that was it. You know, we were we were New York strong. So when you first went to New York and played your first show, were you excited? Were you nervous? Like, you said Roger was there. That, that must have been a great experience, like, to go and have that experience. Like, It was. I mean, I, I really, um, like I said, it, it, it uh, we had a good show. At least I felt like we we played solid, you know, yeah. like we, we represented the band well, but there wasn't really a lot of people watching us except yeah. for Roger. And, and, you know, just the fact of being on stage at CB's, of course, you know, Fuck I mean, yeah. that was, that was an honor. And, um, so after talking with Roger, um, you know, I, I actually, that was, that was my last tour with that band. I was quitting that band because I was moving to Boston for school. Oh, wow. And I'm like, well, I guess, you know, that's, you know, I went to Berkeley College of Music, right? That was my next step. That's amazing. Like, I guess, um, I guess, you know, that's, I didn't really see myself playing hardcore music anymore. Not because I didn't love it or didn't want to do it, but I was like, I just had this idea that I needed to kind of figure out what I was going to do with my life as far as, you know, going to college. That was kind of part yeah, of it. Yeah, what, what was your major, major in music, obviously? Yeah, I mean, I, I my goal was to uh, focus on playing the guitar as well as uh, learning how to, you know, uh, record in, in, That's in awesome. the studio environment. And so, and so did you? Um, so were you in in high, in high school? You you got good grades. Did you like school? Did you obviously you graduated because you're going to college? So my high school, my high school had a, a 16 inch recording studio. Oh, that's so I started 16 track, two inch, uh, one inch recording studio tape. Wow. And uh, we recorded we recorded Blind Approach first seven inch there. Holy and so, shit! So in eighty in eighty seven, and because I, I I grew up with the son of the guy who ran that studio and that program. Perfect. So he'd always kind of give me a little bit of leeway. Yeah. But the majority of my time in high school, uh, officially, was a two hour block of time per day because that was the class. Yeah. And then I would I'd always skip other classes and just hang out in the studio and yeah, you know. Uh, that was just what I did, man. I, I mean, I played guitar and I was in bands ever since I was like 10 years old. Yeah. That makes me happy you know? because Max right now is, has a band and he's recording at a studio at his school. It's like sponsored. It's like an Adidas sound lab and he's recording and the labels, he got signed to the school label and there and like, he's doing creative shit at his school now with music. It makes me happy because the way you turned out as a great, amazing guitar player, musician, that's amazing. Cause that's where Max is getting started actually in his high school. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, um, if you want to do it, you should do it and have fun with it. The, yeah. the challenge, I think, and I'm sure you can relate to this, is, you know, uh, is it going to be your profession and your means to make a living? 100%. Bills? A lot of sacrifices, too, I man. Mean, a lot of sacrifices. You know, I mean, look, I... I as much as anybody, I appreciate the spirit and the, the, um, passion, but, um, unfortunately spirit and passion don't pay the electric bill or the mortgage or exactly. put food on the table. Right. Exactly. Um, some are more, you know, some, some wind up being more fortunate than others and being able to figure out how to do that. Yep. But, uh, you know, sometimes it, it, it makes sense to have that passion and do it, but no, have that a plan B. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So, exactly. so the, that was the band's last show, and so you're gonna go to Berkeley College. And so then what happened? So you talking to Roger and, um, well, so you know, I mean, I, I, it was. Well, I'll tell you this much. So at that, when we were talking to Roger, Roger had uh, basically let us know that he was probably going to go away for a little yeah, bit of time. Yeah, it was a vacation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He had a he had a he had a, a, a upcoming vacation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, that's you know, and and I don't know. It's kind of weird because you know, at that time, hardcore was starting to sort of wane a little bit. You know. I yeah. Mean, I'd say, you know, Cro-Mags were, you know, like John had quit Cro-Mags and they were kind of going through a different phase. Yep. AF was on hiatus because of Roger's situation. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I don't remember what Warzone was doing, but it was, you know, like bands had kind of, things were transitioning. 100%. So I'm at school. I'm at school at Berkeley and uh, my plan was to go all the way through. Uh, I, w- I didn't want to take a break, so they they offered summer courses. So I'm like, I'm just gonna bang this out, right? So I was yeah. at my it was basically my third some I guess trimester if you can consider it. You know, yeah. Uh, I was there for the summer, and uh, I was working um, part time at this video store in the Boston area, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I was I had a girlfriend at the time that um, she called me at the video store and. I'm like, hey, what's up? She said, uh, Roger from the Gnostic Front called, <laughs> and he wants to know if you want to join the band and oh. tour Europe. Holy shit. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> you know, and I, I'm thinking, I told her, I'm sure. I said, that's probably one of the guys from back home, you know, cooking something stupid up. And How many years you know, had gone by, you think? Uh, it was a year and a half. Okay. So... Um, Wow. And then she gave me the number that he left, and it was a New York number. I was like, "Oh, all right, well, maybe." Holy and yeah, shit. it was it was it was Roger, you know, because he was living in Staten Island, and I a couple of guys from from uh, the Twin Cities had actually moved out to New York and lived for a little while and lived at that house. Like, wow, a good friend of mine actually lived uh, in Sta- at that house in Staten Island and was good friends with Willie. Okay, yeah, we'll uh, check her, yeah. When he was out there. And then, um, you know, Blind Approach in, in Minnesota, we were like the agnostic front. We were like the skinhead man. Totally. And we had our, we had our nausea who was this band called Misery, and they were like crust punk. Okay. And Misery was good friends with Nausea. So that singer for Misery, his name was Al, he wound up actually moving out to New York and replacing that guy, Neil, who was oh, shit. the first male singer for Nausea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now yeah. he's singing in Nausea. Wow, so when Roger man. got out, when Roger got out and got home and wanted to start the band again, Steve Martin, I guess, you know, he was doing, um, the relativity thing at yep. that point and yep. you know he he was he was moving on to do other things and uh al who was living there at the house roger said yo you should call up uh matt henderson he's out in boston you remember him right he's in blind approach blah, 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 blah. you know i mean yeah. roger and i weren't weren't real close because you know we didn't know each other real well but yeah. he definitely knew what al was talking about yeah. and so yeah I mean, that's crazy. I got that call and I was like, yeah, of course I got to do this, man. What about school? You just like, fuck it. I'll come back to it later. Mm-hmm. 
and that was kind of one of the things of that school is they they kind of promoted this environment of you know you're a musician if you get a gig you should go do it and then you come back you know if you want to or maybe you know maybe you don't yeah the gigs i could did you ever come back i did um because AF broke up technically in '93. So how so how many years you toured uh, them before? Like how long would that last? So we so I I basically did that European. We did we did a little little U.S. run in the uh, fall of '90, and then went out to Europe in the winter of '90, and then uh, you know came home, and then we had that that Super Bowl at the Ritz. Yeah, remember yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, that the relativity video that they did yeah, it was amazing. Live in ninety one, that was great. And, great video, yep, great show. Yep. Such a great lineup. One voice too, right? Yeah. Well, we didn't have one voice. So that was before one voice, and oh, then it was? we oh shit. then we recorded one voice in late ninety one, and started touring for that in ninety two. I thought you guys played something off and one then, voice um, at that video, though, didn't you? Uh, we had yeah we had done it we had that instrumental we yes. called it infiltrate did it, did it, did, yeah another one <laughs> yeah that's crazy yep. uh, yeah that's right i forgot we did that <laughs> yeah man did you um was that your first time leaving the country too when you went with af to europe absolutely damn yeah and that was bro that was a crazy tour man because you know we all know the mad um yeah you know family and and how they set up tours the routing and, and shit yeah and things like well roger at the time we went out had decided to use um not them but oh, wow. uh, these attack you know and i think mad was probably i mean they were still kind of young as well right sure, I mean, that yeah, was 1990 yeah. and i don't know i think I think technically, didn't the Gorilla Biscuits, weren't they the first ones to go out there? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah. um, Yeah. And I nausea had gone out, but they, you know, I mean, they were true to their their crust-punk scene, you know? And they basically, so we we used the the promoters they used, which were these Italian brothers, and they were part of that crust-punk, and like I mean, we, bro, we played straight squats. squats. Yeah, squats. We we toured squats through Europe, and um, it was it was kind of gnarly because sure. the 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 accommodations were never great. Um, no bus. It was no buses. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, it was real. It was real haphazard and 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 wonky. And and man, we plus you got to remember that you know Agnostic Front had you know a lot of people still. Think Agnostic Front is a Nazi skinhead band, but I guess everybody needs an enemy, you know. And and yeah. for the real ultra political European punk rockers, uh, every once in a while they decide that Agnostic Front was their enemy, and we we had a few run-ins with some wild <laughs> situations out there. Yeah, people trying to boycott uh, you and rough. stuff, like like protest against you, or just like show up and like not. Yeah, there yeah. was that, and you know. You know, even like kind of like try to flex a little bit, and, yeah, in 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 goofy, in a goofy squat punk type of way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how how long was that tour? Uh oh, god, it felt like a, a it, year. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it, it it was a good four weeks. It was Damn. Long, 
and and it, it was it was a, it was a mess in any in in all angles you could think of from a tour standpoint it was a complete mess uh and but i'll tell you because that and i don't know if you you probably had heard the story but roger got deported like a week into it well here's the deal i talked to freddie about that on the same podcast and he wasn't out there when that happened but you were out there for that right yeah so yeah what exactly and, happened? and we had well so roger wasn't a u.s citizen right yeah. he was uh technically cuban cuban um and so when we and you know um i mean it's public knowledge so i mean he was a convicted felon yeah right? mm -hmm. so his on paper he wasn't <laughs> the most attractive uh individual to come into a country right and add like um, a bunch of tattoos in that time that you know was tattoos exactly yeah, right sure. and and those 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 nutty uh italian promoters that we had they it, they almost wanted to like like rub people the wrong way especially in those situations that would always shoot us in the foot we'd be like mm -hmm. what are you guys can't you guys you know put the attitude away for a minute so we yeah. can just get through this border without getting fucked with exactly like you know too, too um, punk for so, own good, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, fuck everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and so we, uh, so yeah, we were passing through uh, Switzerland, and uh, they were like, nope. They, I forget exactly what options there were, but it was basically <laughs> go home, go back to the states now, or uh, you know, you'll have a worse situation where you might not ever be able to go back. Damn. Yeah, that type of thing. And Roger's like, well, I got to go home, man. And we're oh. like, what? And uh, our roadie at the time was, was Mike Schost. Do you remember him? He was on the road with us. Yeah. I, I think like, when we were together, I was name, sick yeah. of it all. Yeah. Um, oh, which I forgot, right? Before we went on the European tour, didn't we? That's when I met you. Yeah, on the sick of it all we, agnostic we, front tour or something like that. Yeah. We did those shows. We did a string of, we did like a tour. That was 90. I mean, even up through Canada. Wasn't that 90? It was 90. Absolutely. Yeah, because that's when I met Freddie yeah. too. Yeah. And we, wow. we, we did, uh, we were in Canada. Um, and because I'd, I'd known EK from Warzone. Yeah. And he was drumming with Sick of It All at yeah. that time. Um, you know, and, and being, you know, having Craig and, and AF was, you know, he was always had that good relationship with uh, Sick of It All. So, yeah, yeah. You know, that was yeah. That was how I got to know everybody. That was that was fun, man. I, I remember having good times then. So, yeah, that's what me and Freddie talked about. Too. It's actually when we met was at ninety. Um, so wait, so how far into the AF tour are you before he gets deported? Like how many shows deep? Like a like a week. Like, Damn. like probably four or five shows, and <laughs> that. Um, so Mike shows. <laughs> so Mike shows. Then winds up singing for us. Holy and I hand shit. it to Mike. He he did he did a really good job. And and for the most part, he looked the part because he was an ex marine. Yeah. So you know he's kind of in shape. He had a he had a big you know chest piece tattoo <laughs> and you know so so um, I was impressed that he learned. You know I mean not to say he didn't know the songs, but. I mean, he had to learn all the words to every song in the set and go out there and own it. And That's crazy. He did it. But keep in mind, right? I told you he's an ex-Marine. Yeah. And he, he was a good dude. Yeah. But uh, he, uh, he had a, a crew cut. He had a mustache. Oh, shit. And, 
And it just helped amplify that fast, you know, AF, a bunch of fascists, uh, you know, Nazi type. Yeah. So it was, uh, <laughs> so you guys finished the tour without Roger, a, the whole thing. Yeah. We, yeah. Wow. And, and, uh, and on top of that, there was, there was, we, we had money stolen from us from, we got arrested, uh, in somewhere in Germany. I forget what city it was, but, because the paperwork they claim was not was not proper with the the van that we were renting. So they arrested the they arrested all of you guys. So they 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 took us all in. They locked us all up. Oh, holy shit! And uh, and I don't know. I you know they're not they're now they're not speaking English, right? Yeah. You know, a lot of times in Europe you find people who can speak English pretty well. Well. Yeah. These, these German cops decided they weren't speaking English at this point. And so I didn't even know exactly what we were being charged with. And we were all in separate cells. Holy and shit. we're like, I'm like, I don't know what what's going to happen here. And then all of a sudden, a few hours later, they decided to just let us go. Weird. But Mike Shows, who was actually our tour manager slash um, singer, <laughs> singer um, our, the cash in our briefcase was gone. Oh, man. And and we tried to talk to the cops, and they're basically like, "Do you want to? Do you want to be free? Or do you want to make this harder on yourselves?" They took the money, probably for yeah. sure, man. I mean, somebody did, and so after that, uh, you know, things just kind of kept getting worse. We all got sick. It was winter time, Jesus, <laughs> and then our flights got all jacked up. And thank God, at the end of it, uh, this kid, his name was Petey. Uh, I can't remember his last name, but we called him Petey Greens because he was vegan. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, and uh, he he graciously put us up for like four or five days because we had nowhere to stay and no money, Holy and we shit. had to wait for our flight that we already had the tickets for back in the U.S. to oh, get home, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And so so and we got <laughs> home and we had like. I don't know, maybe a hundred Deutschmarks each and like a lot of coins. Oh my and Roger's God, like, dude. Roger's like, <laughs> what the fuck happened? Where's all the fucking money? And he thought we fucked it all up. I'm like, bro, are you kidding me? Like, you have no idea what we went through out there. Holy it was terrifying, it was nice, man. man. Yeah, Holy it was, it, it, it got, it got pretty intense, bro. It really did. Um, but, you know, that was that experience that, uh, I mean, that bond that me, Vinny, Willie, and Craig uh, went through with that. I mean, they're like my, I mean, they're legitimately my family. Yeah. You know? and, 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 and it could scar you for life, too. <laughs> Freddie used to say that mm. some, some tours and vans back in the day would like take years off your life. Like a six-week tour through Europe in a van is just insane, dude. It's crazy. Yeah. It, you know, it, it, uh. It can it can work you for sure. So then you get back, and then uh, what do you do when you get back? Like, what's what happens next with AF? Is record a new record? Is yeah, you know, I mean, basically that that was kind of you know when I think back on it, I mean, I was living in Staten Island, right? It's crazy, and I didn't have a car. I didn't own a car. Uh, I really didn't. I didn't have a job, so the only money I had was through whatever the band would bring in. Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of a slow period for the band because we were writing and yeah. trying to, you know, focus on writing to do a new record instead of playing shows. Yeah. So I was really kind of, I was really kind of isolated out there. Like, 
yeah, technically I'm in New York, but it was Staten Island, which, you know, it it really it ain't Manhattan, I'll it, just say that. It's not Manhattan, yeah. And so that's when you guys are working on, was that working on One Voice then? Yeah, so, you know, me, Willie, Craig, and Roger, we just, we um, basically just, we're on Staten Island and isolated from everybody else and whatever was going on. And we just, we would just jam and just write songs. And, wow. and um, it's funny to me when I think about it, cause a lot, in a lot of ways, like the, the one, those songs, that music was kind of like, for me, I was big on like, I had just really sunk my teeth into killing time bright side. Great album. Perfect and I was like, album. how did how did I not catch this when it when it was originally released? I'm like, these guys are geniuses. Amazing. And like, amazing. I mean, I, I, you know, like that was like the, you know, obviously, you know, everything AF did as well was an totally. influence, and you know, yeah. a lot of. I, I mean, I got tons of influences. Even you know, uh, Metallica was a he always a big influence for me as far yeah. as like writing style, but but um. Uh, right side, you know and we just and you know who else just started to come up too though was like biohazard yeah it's like oh shit all right now there's a whole different spin you know whole and different uh but but uh and and another big record at the time was uh <laughs> suicidal tendencies uh lights camera revolution great album great band right? yeah and 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 uh the other what was the other big one at the time was uh Pantera, uh, Cowboys from Hell. Okay. Not even Vulgar Display Park, but Cowboys from Hell, right? Yeah. So it was like, you know, and then you had Quicksand and you had, so like yeah, so musically, it, I don't know, it was a weird time for, for hardcore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, personally, I'll, I'll just say my view of One Voice, which I'm, I'm proud of and love, but it, when it was released, it, it kind of musically was a little outdated compared okay. to what everybody else was really starting to get into and yeah. kind of transition and into something that was, you know, a little different than traditional hardcore and yeah. a little, little older style of metal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and I, I think part of it was us just being isolated over there in Staten Island Stan listening Island. to just a few different records, you know. Yeah, I mean, One Voice is, but, a, uh, is a great album. Though. I mean, there's so many great songs on there. That time, I think that that's. I think I think more people appreciate it probably even later on with that record too. It's a classic. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, most of the AF ones are, but. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, the the thing I'll say is that record. I mean, and something to be proud of too is like you know it doesn't matter. I don't care what anybody else is doing. We liked those songs. Yeah, Roger was just pouring his heart out in his lyrics because yep. of all the things he had just gone through. Yeah. Um. So you know, and I, I was, I was damn, I still am. I'm, I'm very proud of it. But it was, it was something I wasn't expecting at how, how like when it was released, people were like, really, that's what you guys think the new AF record should sound like, and we're like, yeah, why not? <laughs> um, but that's what I love about AF. You know, and They're you're right. Done that. Their own I'm, and that's that's how it should always be. I don't care who you are, what you're doing. You know, you yeah. should do it because it's right for you. Yeah. So how how many how, how long were we in AF before we, the Madball thing started for you? Well, so we, you know, when I when you look back, I really wasn't in AF for very long. I mean, I joined in in like the summer in '90, and we'd 
Roger basically had made the decision that it was time to shut it down in like late 92. Okay. Um, and uh, so we knew that that was the plan. He had made the decision he was going to go down to Florida and go to the Harley Davidson Mechanics School. I remember that. And he, you know, he just wanted to start doing something different, you know? Yeah, um, respect that. It's awesome. It's life, you know, people yeah. decide to do different shit. And yeah. uh, so we had, um, we had a final tour set up in Europe uh, in early 93. And that was, you know, that was our last tour. And Roger being the entrepreneur that he is, because he remembers when we did go out to Europe that first time, a lot of people would always ask, oh, is, Fred, is Madball with you? Is Madball? Because, mm-hmm. you remember, like, the live at CB's record, you know, he'd bring Freddie out. Yeah. And, uh, and yo, that, that first ball of structure 7-inch, I mean, people in Europe really loved it. And yeah. they'd ask about him all the time. Yeah. And, uh so Roger always remember that. He said, we need to put out another Madball 7-inch so we, we can bring it when we go out there that last time and you know, give people what they want. And yeah. on top of that, once we had the 7-inch, we basically brought Madball the band out there, which was me <laughs> me and Vinny on guitar, Roger on bass, Willie on drums, and Freddie singing. <laughs> so we opened, up for our, we opened up for ourselves all through Europe. That is so crazy, man. Yeah. And wow. then, and then when that tour ended, we came back and, you know, Roger moved and I went to school, but, um, we had Hoya, you know, yep. we, we just said, you know, we should just, let's just do it for fun. You know, yeah. why don't we just, you know, play a show here and there. And, yeah. and, uh, uh, you know, we don't have to take it seriously. It's just going to be, um, just for fun because we enjoy it right totally no expectations and we'd play shows like the gas station remember the gas station yeah man for sure we played there too yeah which i think was which i think was one of the true one of the true if not the very first one of the very first h2o yeah uh performances <laughs> with what uh i think armand played drums yeah Isaac was on bass um, and you guys have one song, yeah, and love, I forget the name real. of the my song. My love is real. Yeah, it's the first song. My love is real. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's crazy. Yep. Yeah. And and then you know, uh, so we're just having fun playing, and then uh, pretty soon it's uh, Howie Abrams at Roadrunner. Yo, you guys should do a record. We're ready to sign you guys. We're like, I, like I was like, I remember being at the apartment I was staying at the time in Boston at school. I'm like, fuck, really? I'm going to sign a, and sign to a label and <laughs> get this all started up again. Um, That's but, uh, wow. And the Howie Abrams was originally you know, at Relativity Records too, right? For Sick of It All. I remember that. He was there first. And NAF. I mean, he was, yeah. he was our A&R when I was, when I was doing One Voice. Yeah. Wow, dude. So, you know, I mean, I love bottom line. I love this music. I love playing it. And I love, love the guys I was doing it with. I'm like, I I guess this is just who I am and what I do, man. So yeah, let's go. So yeah. So the Madball records, that was, I mean, Simmons set it off and demonstrate my style. Those two records are like classic, perfect records. Like you're writing and guitar playing and all that. I think it was such a, it's such a, 
game changer, I think, in hardcore, for sure. Like, your writing and your riffs and that sound and, like, it just, it, it, it started, like, a new chapter in the hardcore scene, for sure. Because, obviously, there was, there was people I mean, crossing over, doing the metal thing with the AF did a little bit with Liberty and Justice and Cause for Alarm and some of that was a little more metal-ish. But Madball with the rhythm and the grooves was something totally different that, that never happened in New York Harker until Madball. Like that really pocket groove. You know what, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I always thought it was, was there, you know. I mean, you know, I mean, Chromags had, you know, I mean, Mackie, Chromags, right? Yeah, I mean, of course. Any, right? I mean, any, any song I'd write. When I, I, I think of drums, I, I was a drummer before I was a guitar player and I, I was okay. never like pro level drummer, but you know, I, I put some work in and, and yeah. was decent. Um, and when I think of writing, uh, it's the beat. I'm thinking, you know, it's the, it's the, the pocket first the and pocket. then I put a riff on top of it. Yeah. Um, and you know, so Mackie was always a part of that. And, you know, I remember, you know, like take a sick of it all with, uh, just look around, right? Doom, um, doom, doom, doom. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, true. right. You know, um, and and uh, shit, leeway, uh, born to expire. True. Uh, dun, dun, right. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but there's so, something different um, about Matt, but there was something different about Hoya, like all you guys together. There's the rhythm and the tightness and the power well, power yeah. So, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. It's very important to take take the time right now to say, I mean, Hoya, you know, it's it's the flavor. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's man. like, yes, I, I I will will I never have a problem saying it. I'm I'm proud of a lot of the stuff I've brought to the table. Yeah. Um, and uh, there was there, but but there are some there were there was always these moments where Hoya would just bring something and be like. That's it, bro. Like that—that's <laughs> what I want to sound like, and yeah. you just did it. And because uh, he—he played the the riff for "Set It Off," you know, he's like, "Yo, I wrote a new song," and you gotta remember, like, it wasn't like I was—I wasn't um, really critical mm-hmm. of of other musicians by any stretch. But yeah. I mean, I had been like three years now with, into being at Berkeley College of Music, right? Yes. So just, I mean, I—I—I I, I was. I, I dug into music and theory and, you know, practicing and really mastering the the art for yes. a while now. And I'm playing with this, you know, this guy from New York who uh, I loved his attitude um, and I loved him as a person, but I really didn't know if he could play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. Um, and, and now it's like, well, let's see. And, you know, before him, I'm playing with Craig and Craig's a, beast of a bass beast. player right so yeah. i'm like you know i i hope it works out mm-hmm. and uh he had no problem learning the songs we were playing at the time and i mean they were simple songs yeah so i was still like okay you know i mean he can do that and that's great but you know what's it going to be like writing a record with him yeah and then one day i was i was uh in between classes in boston and he called me up he's like yo i wrote this new riff and uh <laughs> you know dang it, dang it. I was like, I mean, wow. I hadn't heard a riff like that. I was just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I was so happy when I realized 
the, the type of songwriter and and the fucking type of riffs he was capable of delivering. Shit. Yeah, man, like and and uh it was it was awesome that that we we really I think him and I built a situation where we brought the best out of each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I I I, I feel like I can still I'm capable of, of writing things that I think are solid, but if I get the chance to work with him, it's like then I, it just it goes to another level. It's know? amazing because all of it clicked together so well together too. You know, even not just in recordings and the songwriting, but just also live too, like the energy and how tight you guys were and just always, always in the pocket. Just everything was always, you got always, Mabos, a band that's always kills it, always been tight from day one. Like, it's just always been like that. I mean, I've never seen a bad Madball show or a show with no energy, whether it's 100 people or fucking 20,000 people. I feel like the energy is there and the shit's real. Like, there was, <clears throat> there's always, there's, I always say there's only one Madball. There's always been some imitators, but there's only one Madball. And, like, they li- lyrically, they lived it and the, and everything they played was, like, always 110%. And, and th- those records that you were on part of were just, like, they're untouchable records, man. Especially because for that time and that and what was coming out, and they were like kind of the new new faces of Hargrave, even though the Seven Inch had been out for a long time. But like, because Freddie was a little kid, now Freddie's back and he's grown up, and now he's he's making these records. It's just it was it was incredible, man. I thought when it came out, you know. Yeah, thank you, man. I, I appreciate everything you said there. And you know, I mean, it was um, it was a fun time because. Uh, I don't want to say that we're, we were solely responsible for it, but I will say that, you know, the fact that we, when we started playing as Madball after AF was done, um, it was, it was great that, you know, all of us were all hanging out together still. And, and it, you know, and, and, and that, you know, you guys all started up and, and doing bands too. And I mean, yep. man, when we have, H2O, Crown of Thorns, Madball, Dude. Bulldoze. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's like we had that mid-90s resurgence of New York hardcore that yeah. uh, that was amazing. It was, and, man. And, you know, and and a lot of the bands, you know, are still, I mean, look at, look at, I mean, did you think before H2O started that you'd be where you are today no. and that H2O, you would be in a band that achieved the success and longevity that H2O has? No, not at all. I was talking to Freddie about it today. Like, it's crazy that, like, <laughs> you know, what he was going to do, like, and, and here he is now, and Matt Ball is as big as they ever been. We were talking about it. It's just, it's crazy. Like, just the persistence of it and believing in yourself. And actually, I feel like the friendship, too, like, being friends with your bands in real life and not just as a business and not just being on stage to make the money, actually love each other and talk to each other and became like a real family. Yep. That, 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 that's, yep. that's a big part of staying together for a long time is actually enjoying what you do and actually loving the people you're doing with. Regardless, you bump heads once in a while. You guys are like brothers, you know what I mean? So it's... Exactly. But like, yeah, dude, like hanging out with Freddie in the Lower East Side and he just kind of, right before things started going from Mabo and I was just making H2O stickers and weren't even a band and just like going to hip hop clubs and just going to shows and then yeah. all of a sudden Limelight, remember Limelight? Limelight yeah, uh-huh. Sheets and Pillows, all that and then like all of a sudden we're we're we're, we're in Germany and we're playing with Mabo in another country, holy shit like we're not in right. New York anymore now we're like in bands and we're playing it was, dude, it's crazy Yeah, man. it's crazy yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of times, a lot of memories of us like bringing new york to other parts of the world 100 percent, and 
and we would just be there all together hanging out like yeah. we were in Manhattan. Yeah. You know, like it was, uh, you know. Oh my God. Um, and one story, if you want to talk about, there's a story that it's an H2O Mad Ball story, but it's, oh man, when, when, uh, when we had, when we had to meet up with you. So we came, we went to Europe on our first tour and we, it was me, Rusty, Eric Rice and Max. And, um, we weren't sure who was going to make it on the first tour because it's their first real tour and you have to gel with people on a tour bus. You have to like live with people. Like just playing a couple shows and going to a couple rehearsal spaces doesn't really, you don't do the tightness of the band. And something had happened, something had happened that was an issue between you and our, our drummer. And um, yeah. we knew that there was yeah. no cell phones. There was nothing, but we knew like, oh my God, we're going to play with Madball on this one date in Germany. And these two are going to see each other. And who knows what's going to happen? And there was this whole thing building up to it. And like, you guys are my boys. Like these, you guys I grew up with. And then we have a drummer in the band that just joined our band that we know. And he's, he's our drummer. And But um, it was such a crazy situation. You guys end up fighting a one-on-one we were outside in the field behind the festival <laughs> and it's like all of us in the circle yeah. and like we're all friends and it's just and he's the one that nobody really knows and that but something happened it was just that was a crazy moment it was like it wasn't like um it wasn't like set up there wasn't like no text messages just like we knew that that month down the road that show we're gonna see each other <laughs> you know it's crazy dude that was yeah. crazy right matt yeah it was crazy, and you know, I I have a standout memory of that was you and I sitting down before. Yeah, I think. yeah. And um, you know, I didn't. You know, it wasn't. It was just it, what I remember and what I always appreciated about you is is your loyalty, and it, you know, it it wasn't like I felt like you needed to to take a side, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like it, it wasn't like, you know, I had an issue with, with that guy. And it, it was a, it was a serious issue yeah. um, that I had to, I had to resolve. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I, anyone that knows me for any length of time, I, I'm not like, I don't try to be a tough guy. You don't. And I'm, I'm not. Out, you don't. Like, trying and I to, wanted to, to say that about you that. too. Through all the bands you've been in, all, and all the people you've been around, you've never acted like that ever. You've always been the same person, same humble person. You've been around crazy shit, just like I have. And you, and you, and you, right. and you probably, you know, did things to protect yourself, protect your friends, like any normal person would do. But you never came yeah. off like you never fronted like you were like a New York tough guy ever. And I love that about you. And I always respect it about it through everything you've been through. So yeah, so this moment was probably the first time I've ever seen you even get into something like this, but it was something dealing with a, yeah, you know, a situation. Well, so. and that's, right. And that, that's what I think. I, that was, you know, again, uh, appreciation, respect to all the people who I consider friends today, right? I mean, yeah. they all they all understood like, okay, this is a serious situation. And, and uh, you know, we support Matt. You know, yeah. and, um, you know, and you were one of those people. And, yeah. and I felt, you know, I, I didn't feel great about the situation being your drummer. Um, yeah. You know, because that, that caused complications for, you know, you and, and your yeah. band. But, yeah. um, you know, uh, I remember you being just very specific and say, yo, you know, I, I know Maddie. Maddie's my friend and, and uh, this is just what it is. So, yeah, you know, let's you know do what you got to do man and uh that was it yeah and uh 
you know, I, again, I, I, I didn't, I, I, I had no intention of putting you in a position of having to choose a side and yeah, then, you know, you not. make yeah. the decision that you needed to write him off or anything yeah. like that. But, uh, ultimately that's, that's basically what happened. And I always, I always appreciated your, your handling of that situation. Thank you, man. And then we're not talking about Todd friend. Todd friend's amazing. Him and Maddie never fought Todd friend. <laughs> we're not talking about Todd friend. We love you, Todd friend. Um, yeah, that was crazy. Then, dude, they did all those big festivals you guys were playing. We get to we got we got to watch you guys play these crazy festivals over there because Mabel really connected in Europe, man. They really connected a lot from day one. I feel like. Yeah, uh, for one reason or another. Yeah, and you know, I, I'll give um, I'll give respect to Roadrunner, um, yeah, who is everywhere. you know, um, they're 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 technically a European label, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, out of uh, Holland and yeah. uh, man they would treat us like kings out there and mm-hmm. they they definitely believed in the band and uh, you know they they helped set things up to get us in the right spots with the right people and there was a plenty of people that just seemed to get it and appreciate it yeah. and uh, those were those were good good tours man good times for yeah sure. it was amazing seeing you guys just the rise of Madball and like playing those shows and just knowing Freddie and where Freddie came from and just meeting him in New York as like a, such a young kid. And, and then that all of a sudden he's a grown man. He's an amazing front man. And just, that was just, those are just crazy well, he was, he, Yeah. I mean, he's another one. I got to take a minute to really um, give some serious credit to, right? Because, um, you know, talking about Hoya and, and, and the way yeah. he could write songs and, and what he delivered. Yeah. Um, Freddie was the same way. I mean, um, I don't, uh, you know, I, I feel like I can work good with with a singer uh, as like a producer, right? And I, I can I can have like vocal ideas and phrases that I think are going to work real good within a song. Yeah. But I can't write lyrics. I think they always come out hokey and mm-hmm. just kind of generic. And yeah. Freddie, Freddie just has that you know i mean he's a very passionate guy you know yes. he's very you know his, he wears his emotions on his sli- on his sleeves and 100%. um and he can put words on paper that are like man i i really i feel what you're what you're saying here you, you know? know um and and everything he ever sang about was what he felt it wasn't it's all real you know shit. i know madball had yeah. had this kind of label this you know oh a tough guy band and mm-hmm. that's just that's just freddie freddie you know i mean yeah uh, and, uh, you talk about being a, a front man. I mean, when we were, uh, we were on that Europe, not European, it was a States tour. It was 92 in the summer and it was obituary, cannibal corpse, agnostic front and malevolent creation. <laughs> Jesus so Christ. Three, three, you know, uh, established death metal bands and yeah. agnostic front. Um, and Roger wound up dealing with a hernia like oh, the right, last dude. week of the tour. That's right. And he had to go home and get that handled. So we were mid tour and Freddie had the same. Wow. And, and I mean, we, those were big shows. Um, Holy shit. and he had to do the whole set. And, uh, I mean, he, he, he was on the road with us, right? Yeah. And it was great to have him on the road with us. You know, it was just, he was 
it was a lot of fun. And yeah. then um, he would come out and sing a few songs, right? And do like that song Over the Edge on One yeah, Boy. Yeah, Him yeah. and Roger would kind of do like this back and forth thing that yeah. I always thought was great. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like he had never, he hadn't stepped out on stage to sing For sure. yet, but um, doing that whole set, you know, I mean, that was a big big job for him yeah that's and, crazy what, i mean that was 92 so he would have been 17 just turned him 17 Fuck. um and he killed it man and i was like this kid this kid is he's built uh, for this shit yeah he's a bad motherfucker you yeah. know what i mean and so uh <laughs> it was it was it was great to to just see that that thing come out of this this, yeah, this young dude. kid that was like he's, he's a natural yeah he he got a lot of he got a lot of shit out through music for sure. Vented a lot of ways. We talked about that too on this on this uh, episode too about New York. Is that he got a lot of rage out of him through music, and it's awesome. It's such a good way to vent through music and lyrics and just energy he had on stage was just unstoppable. You know, like and, yep. and still has it today. Yep. To this day, still has it. like shit. Almost thirty years later, still has exact same. It's still a powerful band. You know, it's it's amazing. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, so so so, for you now. Here we are now, and you're a, a father and a husband. You have three kids, and um, I know you played played with Mavball last couple of years, some randomly random tours here and there with them, and um, and you're also in a band called the Eulogy, which is an awesome group of people and band. And we play shows with you guys too. That's out in California, but like yep. looking back on that now, and you know, and what you're doing now, and we're all grown up and different. I mean, you feel like obviously it's, you're probably going to say yes. And I ask people the same question, but all the values that you got from playing music and seeing the world, obviously it, it goes with the rest of your life and you carry that as a father, as a husband, you know what I mean? You use a lot of those values you learn from, I guess, hardcore, you know, sticks with you. Yeah, no, it, it's true. Uh, I feel very fortunate. I really do because, um, you know, those experiences, good and bad, yeah. uh, made me, you know, the person I am today. And, and uh, I, I got some real life experiences under my belt that I can uh, I can uh, use in different situations yeah. for different reasons. Um, and uh, I just feel, um, you know, and, and and I mean, we could spend a lot of time talking about a lot of our friends that that didn't didn't make it right nah, man yeah a lot we lost a lot of friends yes i mean yeah. a lot i can't it, it amazes me the list i could rattle through um it's true and and uh so but you know like you said uh, i mean what set it up i mean i joined agnostic front in 90 yeah i've been playing in a hardcore band as a kid you know for years before that um so we're going well over 30 years now and i still play i still go to shows yeah. um you know i'm still friends with guys like yourself yeah. that i know are still still doing it too yeah um and it, you know i mean that that just that to me that really tells you and anybody else that might be wondering you know that this this is a real thing for us i mean it's, it is, it's to me it's our culture it it's is. our culture it's, it's who we are yeah it's 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 um it is not a fad obviously no way it is not it, it you know it's not the fashion it's not uh, something we just did at a certain time it, it can it's something we do for our whole entire time here you know it's like 
it's it's who we are. Yeah, it's, it's, who just, we are. it's just yeah. who we are. Yeah. And 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 I mean, my closest friends uh, come from the experience, you know, sharing experiences through that that scene and, yeah. and you know the music that that uh you know and the, the travels that we had together and and all of it man and and uh yeah yeah and you and you, yeah, and you never I, I think i feel like you never aged either you still look really young and i feel like that's some playing music <laughs> and, and doing what you love to do i think too obviously we got families and that makes us happy too but like uh, i feel like that that definitely i don't know playing music and doing what you love definitely keeps you young but no, another thing too i was going to say too is that I'm sure it happened to you with Agnostic Front. I'm, I'm, that's going to be kind of the current theme of the the New York thing is just the New York ball breaking and the Gatia games and just fucking with each other mentally. And I didn't realize that because I moved to New York. It was all, it was just tough love from the New Yorkers, like breaking your balls and teasing you or giving you a nickname or just poking at your weaknesses. But in, 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 like yeah. Squirm said today, he's like, yeah, but then and then a second later, somebody would be fucking with you and everybody would fucking rat pack them. It's like people had your back. They were your family, but they broke your balls all day long, but they loved you. It's, I think it's a really New York kind of like tough love thing that I got when I moved there, you know? Definitely, definitely. Um, no, you, you, um, you know, uh, Mindy, my wife and I, we, we met in New York City. And, yeah. um, you know, I have, uh, I'll always have a special place in my heart for the New York that I remember and relate to, which is not the New York of 2019. No, hell no. Right? So, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that, that city has, has changed quite a bit, yeah. uh, as I'm sure a lot of other places on this planet have yeah. uh, over a 30-year period. But, you know, at the time, I mean, New York was a, was a, I mean, you had to have respect for that city mm-hmm. and the people that were in that city, uh, and you'd be, you'd be made aware real quickly uh, if you didn't treat it with the right amount of respect, because, uh, you know, you had to, you know, you had to, it was, it was real, man. It was, yeah. you know, um, and that was one thing I, I mean, that's one of the reasons I wanted to be there. I felt that, that sense of, uh, energy and that loyalty mm-hmm. and it, it really was a family, man. Yeah. Um, and, dysfunctional uh, family. Yeah. It, yeah dysfunctional as all hell for, in a lot of ways but but to your, to your point too right i mean we all i mean look we all are on some level which is what brought us 100%, there to begin with right 100 percent, dude none of us came from like the most normal uh, home structure family structure none of that some had some with single families some some lost their parents you know some had different childhoods and they all kind of went and we all we met in new york and cbgb's was like our home every sunday and just all, all the shows and the hanging out the people was just all people we connected with on a, on a mental level, on a music level, you know, on just social level. I mean, I feel like we all connected for a reason and we're still connected to this day, like almost 50 years old, fucking grown ass men with children and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> still, still talking about those days because those, it was so important to us. They shaped who we are now, you know? Yep. I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, all right, man. Well, I appreciate your time and I appreciate everything you, you, um, con- I always say the word contributed to the hardcore scene and those records and everything you've been a part of and stuff that helped shape my life and shape so many people in the world's life that the, the music was so powerful it wasn't on the radio or on television maybe a couple times it was here and there but it was so, so such a strong force lyrically and the message and 
everything it embodied that it just it, it spread like wildfire wildfire to people and all these underground communities everywhere and I, I feel like there's nothing like hardcore music and there's there'll be nothing ever be like hardcore music you know for us and it really it, it's it changed it changed everything for us at the right it hit us at the right time and it's been our best friend it's been everything for us and uh, I, I'm honored to know you and that you contributed a great part of that. And you actually brought amazing guitar playing to it <laughs> and really great riffs. You know what I mean? Like, as it was, because <laughs> a lot of the shit was just straight. Nobody's really playing, like, the heart, the punk stuff we listened to was just, like, super, super fast and super crazy and sloppy. But then, like, the Mabble had this, like, super tight tightness to it and, like, rhythm. And it was just a different balance. I know you said, I know you named a bunch of bands that you said had that balance. But for me, Obviously, that was insp- inspired into into Madball, and I know that Raw Deal was a bit that was a big thing. Hoya Love too, which is another great band, but Madball itself it stood on its own as its own thing. You know, you, you, it's hard for me to listen to Madball and think what what bands inspired them because I want to listen to Madball. I just hear Madball. Me personally, I know it's inspired by a million bands, but for me, when I hear right. Madball, I can't hear particular th- things in that that of those albums that remind me of anything else but Madball. It's crazy because other bands I can listen to, like, oh shit, that sounds like Ramones, or that sounds like The Clash, or that sounds like Seven Seconds, or that sounds like this melody. But Madball just was Madball, and um, I know, I know, you know, you, you all you guys together made that, you know, and I think it was it changed it's changed music forever. I think as far as um that genre of music, and also I think Madball Madball's influence goes into other metal bands too, and other genres of music too, for sure. It wasn't just hardcore. Yeah, I mean, um, possibly for sure. I, you know, number one, again, appreciate everything you said. I, I, I really do appreciate, um, you know, the way you, you, the response you get to to the music and, yeah. and what we've done, and and that goes for anybody that that happens to have appreciation for it. You know, yeah, it's, it's still always a little um, maybe awkward is the right word to use for me because I. Uh, I have such um, um, respect for the bands that influenced me that I know in my mind, you know, built to me what New York hardcore really is. 100%. And I, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, I feel I, what, what I, what I can say with confidence is that I, I, uh, I gave it the respect it deserves, and I felt like I, I contributed in a way 100%. That, um, that that proved the fact that yo, you know, I mean, it's it's uh, I get it. I'm I'm here with you guys. I and uh, you know, thank you. I, I, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, your contribution was greatly uh, so, appreciated, though, and, and actually is part of a legacy of New York Harco now that we forever there. And well, that, that's just it. I wanted to make New York proud. You know, yeah, <laughs> you know what totally, I mean? It's like, yeah. if I'm going to be a part of this and I, I get the honor of waving that flag with you, yeah, you better be damn straight. I'm going to bring, bring my uh, a game and, and, uh, and, and represent it as best I can too. hundred percent. Cause, and for us to H2, it wasn't even front. None of us are born in New York and we came to New York together and we got, we started right. our band there, played our first show. Then we got accepted into the family tree of, of everybody opened up, open their arms to us and put us in the New York family. So we yep. wanted to be a part of that too. And I feel like we try to represent that and still represent that. Even though none of us live there to the day we die, because that, that that's what kind of put us on the map. And that's what, where our roots are fucking firmly still in the ground there. You know what I mean? We go back to New York. There's so many memories there. Like you said, it's not the same place, but 
our history is there and our beginnings are there and they're always going to be there. And uh, I, I love New York for that. That time we got to live there when it was scary, it had a smell to it going to shows. It was the energy <laughs> in the streets outside and next to CBGB's might get hit with like a, a milk, uh, a milk container full of piss from the rehab center next to it <laughs> and fucking all the crazy fights and insanity and being scared at shows, but also being excited to be there. And you knew that you knew the people not to fuck with and knew the people, you know, to say what's up to like, there was that crazy energy, respect and fear and fuck man. I, I was so nervous when I first moved there, but then when I got part of that family, it was just, it was amazing. You felt like invincible hanging out all these different peers you had there and stuff. It's and probably for you too, because yeah. you moved there from another place too. And like, you probably looked up to some of these people, like listen to their music and you get to obviously play in AF and fucking be part of that world. And then a kid from out of town and it's crazy, man. It's absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, uh it, it was, uh, it, again, it's experience, um, that, uh, I'm just very, very happy and, and feel fortunate that I was able to, uh, have it. And, uh, Get through it. Uh, you survived it, yeah, still, man. Yeah, I still, yeah, I survived it. You know, uh, there were times where it broke me down, but uh, at the end of it, 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 it made me a stronger person. I was sure. gonna say, if you made it to that first fucking tour that you described earlier, then if you can make it through that, you can make it through anything after that. And I'm not, I'm not sure if it got worse for you after that, but that, that sounds insane. You made it through that, almost like fuck it. That was your first training. You know what I mean? Like you made it through that, and fuck. Dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. It's, that was real, man. <laughs> I mean, I mean, get, getting on your first bus must have been an incredible feeling. I mean, I remember when buses started happening, beat the street, all those buses in Europe. You look forward to go to Europe because you knew you were going to get a bus over there easy. Just made life so much better. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, yeah. They're, uh, the later tours were definitely, I mean, you know, touring hard just from the fact that you're away from home and, you know, you got to, you always got to be on the go. Yeah. And, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But um, no, it definitely got easier from there. Well, that was the whole time you were playing music. Did you ever think about your plan B? And did you think like, shit, I might have a career doing this for a long time? Or were you were you worried about? Oh yeah, the, were I, you I worried always, about the future. I always thought of a plan B, man. It was yeah. It's it's not easy, you know. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I know you relate to this. Hundred percent. It's you know, um, and you're you're a father. You're a husband. Yeah. You know, you have that 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 sense of needing to be a provider. Right. right. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I get the sense that all of my friends who are still out there doing this as their, as their main, uh, gig, yeah. right. Um, appear to be thriving and making it work. Yeah. Cause when I was, you know, when it was my primary, um, job, I was always broke, bro. And it, it, that wore me down quite a bit. Wow, man. Um, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was so, it was such different times back then too, obviously. And like, that's crazy. Yeah. You were just living from fucking tour to tour. I'm sure, you know? Yeah. 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 It just, it just, I never, you know, uh, again, I, anybody that knows me knows I'm not driven by money yep. and, and, you know, attaining wealth of any sort. But, uh, uh, again, I got, I got three sons now who I'm it's trying to, amazing, just, I mean, shit, just, I got to just, just find a, a new bat for my 13 year old to play little league this season. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> do you coach the teams too? I do. That's yeah. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm, uh, 
I'm, I got uh, three boys and three different teams this season. Oh, and, my God, uh, dude. That's crazy. Three different freaking teams. Yeah. And it's uh, I'm not the head coach on any one of those teams this season, yeah. which is, makes it easier for me. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm out there, you know, and I, I, I feel good about that, too, because I'm dealing with kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm kids, kids who want to go out and, and have fun and learn something. And and, you know, you, you, you get that camaraderie yeah. and, you know you, you deal with some um, pressure uh but you try to help kids stay positive and, and yeah. learn how to you know deal with pressure and 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 uh overcome you know challenges and and stick together with each other it's, yeah it's all a lot of good stuff i mean uh, i'm not a jock uh <laughs> i didn't grow up yeah. I, I didn't grow up as a jock i was a punk rocker yeah <laughs> you, you, know went, you, went, you went really into sports but, yeah. uh, but this, uh, I've always enjoyed baseball and, and the little league community that I'm a part of in Lakewood, California is, uh, is really all about family and, that's awesome. uh, and a good, a good community with your kids. And, and so, uh, I love that's that just doing it. Yeah. Do you consider yourself an optimistic or pessimistic person? That's a great question. I would say, I have, I'd have to say optimistic. Yeah. Uh, over pessimistic for sure. Yeah, uh, Maybe you, say, you seem like you may be more I, like a realist. That's what my wife calls herself. She's like, I'm a that, realist. That's that's what I that's what I'd say is probably most accurate, right? Because <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I'm not I'm not naive. I don't yeah. I don't truly believe that everybody I run into is always going to do the right thing and be loyal to me the way I would be back probably be loyal to them. Uh, but at the same time, man, I'm I. You know, I'm I'm 40. I just turned 49 years old, and I have made a lot of friends, uh, and dealt, and just run across. You know, I've got good people in my life right now that awesome. come from all different di- different avenues. Different, yeah. You know, and uh, there's a lot of good people out there, and I'm I'm happy right, about man. that. So you want? I'm you, I'm the same. You born in '70, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. I'm catching up to you. I'm coming up to you a couple more months. I'll be 49. It's crazy, man. Almost at 50, man. Dude. Bro, I, 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 yeah. If I stop and think about it, then I can I can bug myself out about it. But <laughs> I do not, I do not think of myself as a fifty year old man walking yeah, around. No, days. dude, it's, it's because it's because we played music for so long. Because we still never really kind of grew up, even though we have responsibilities. I don't, it's, I don't know, man. I don't. It's it's crazy. I I I think you're right. I do. But what's funny to me is, um, you know, I like. I don't know what Max listens to. I mean, obviously Max knows, you know, our music yep. and certainly seems to enjoy it and appreciate it a lot, but I'm sure he listens to things that like, you're like, you listen the to new hip hop kids? Kids? stuff. Yeah, man, for sure. Oh, is he into the new hip hop? Yeah. yeah. Man. And then, and then like the new death, and, and, metal, and, and, new death metal too. Okay. Yeah. Cause, uh, you know, like, like, uh, I forget who was, was talking to me about this. One of my friends who plays guitar too. I just can't think of, which one it was at the moment, but talking about like style of music and, and what we consider heavy, you guys call him uh, dad metal. Dad metal. <laughs> dad metal. So like, like, you know, I might be playing something, you know, like with the band I'm in now, the eulogy, I'm thinking, yeah. man, we're killing it right now. But these young kids are like, Oh, it's like, it's like a dad hardcore man. Like Black Sabbath. Black <laughs> Sabbath is so old to them. They're like that's, that's not hard. They don't think it's hard. And for us, it's like Black Sabbath yeah. is so hard. That's the backbone of everything hard is fucking Black Sabbath. 
Shit. There'd be no, there'd be no hardcore Metallica, none of that for that, but yeah. But, you know, I was a kid when, when I was 17 years old and someone started trying to talk to me about Chuck Berry or, or Buddy yeah. Holly, I was like, yeah, okay, come on, man. Have you heard, <laughs> you know, have you heard the chrome yet? Yeah, but, uh, that's... <laughs> that's what I'm listening to. Um, and final question, do you have any, do you have like any daily rituals? Like I know you work out and stuff. Is there something that it keeps you positive during the day or something that you do every day? Like you have like a daily ritual or something like coffee um, or just, even if it's just a coffee or we're taking a walk or whatever, you have something that you do every day. You feel like you have to do every day. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a, you know, I, I got my morning cup of coffee. I, yeah. I guess that's a ritual, but that's, <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of a no brainer thing exercise is a big part of, of my my life for sure yeah, you've I always mean, been in you shape know, I, your I whole do. life i think yeah i you know I, I uh it 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 really helps stress it, it may i get you know i need that exertion yeah uh and and i, I it, it gives you know it gives you kind of a opportunity to push yourself and just uh 100 you know i think it's key um, especially hurt my old. shoulder i know you told me that you have to get surgery or no no, uh, thank God, no. It, I, I thought for a minute I was going to have to, and I had an MRI done, but I saw a specialist. He's like, nope, it's just... Oh, that's uh, good news, yeah. The, he's saying it's ten, tendonitis with a rotator cuff, and I think I got it from jujitsu. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you can't go as hard as um, you used to go hard either. When you, That's the one thing. We don't feel old or look old, I, I don't think, but, but maybe when you when you start doing exerting yourself ways that you used to do when you're younger, then you start getting weird cricks and things. You're like, okay, okay, I get it. My body's changing, you know, like... Well, yeah, exactly. Believe me, when when uh, I got the results read to me back from the MRI from my primary doctor, right, not the specialist, but yeah, my just my normal physician, and she used the the term osteoarthritis. Oh like, man, get out of here! Right? But, <laughs> it's such an old word you know, too. You only heard about your grandma having arthritis when you're young. <laughs> it's true, like that with arthritis is like, oh god. But uh, you know, I mean, apparently that's just that's just clinical talk for getting older because yeah. everyone, you know, the specialist told me everybody's got it. You know, he said your MRI looks like if I, if I had a, if I had 148 at the time I was 48, right? 148 year olds come into the office with uh, who who led the type of active you know life you say you do uh, with the type of exercise and you know. Uh, you know, jujitsu or boxing, whatever it is you're you're doing at the time. Yeah. Uh, he said, he said they'd all look the same. It's just that's just what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, I'm healing up. I'm doing really slow therapy, but it's 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 coming back. So I'm happy. Yeah, I'm lucky too. I used to skateboard a lot, and I wore knee pads my whole life, so I got pretty good knees. But I know a lot of people that didn't. They got fucked up knees from skating. But I prided myself on always wearing pads, and I feel like. That definitely is paying off for me in my older age when I still skate. You know what I mean? Protecting your shit when you're younger. Yeah, man. Gotta gotta take care of the joints. That's uh, yes. That's key. Well, on that note, I think it's past our bedtime here in California, and um, <laughs> I appreciate your time, Maddie. I appreciate being my friend. I appreciate everything you've done, and uh, I'll see. I will be hanging out in real life soon for sure. Absolutely, brother. I, I appreciate you reaching out. This of is course. a lot of fun, and uh, awesome. Uh, we'll talk soon. All right, brother. Take care. Yep, you too. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to the next one.